Well, now that the calendar has flipped to 2021, baseball season, believe it or not, not too far away. Welcome in. Today is Tuesday, January 19th, and this is another edition of the Baseball in the Valley podcast by the Daily News Record. I'm Greg Medea, cover JMU football, but also dabble in some JMU baseball, the other college baseball around, and and the local baseball too. And I'm joined by David Driver, the sports editor on baseball uh, savant, I guess you could say, for, from all his time covering ma- the major leagues and the nationals. Uh, he's here too. David, before we get into anything, how are you? Uh, the baseball season, believe it or not, I know it's frigid outside, uh, but we're not, we're not too far away to start thinking about it. You know, I, good morning, Greg, and good to see you. And you're you're too more than too kind. Um, you know, it's funny. I was I went to cover JMU basketball at Towson on Saturday for men's, and as I was driving past, uh, guys were out throwing in, in uh, the Towson baseball team. So I almost wanted to stop and like uh, you know take a photo or something. That was that was uh, neat, neat to see that. So yeah, it's 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 not not too far away. Yeah, I know. I know schedules will be different a little bit at the college level. Uh, We're still unsure about the major leagues, exactly what the timing is going to be. We'll talk about that a little later on when we get into some of the nationals, some of the Orioles stuff, uh, what's going on in the hot stove a little bit. Uh, We'll get into that. Uh, The RCBL in the Valley League, that's a little further away into the summer. And uh, there is news there, some off-season news in the RCBL. And that's where I wanted to start on this Tuesday You wrote last week a story on the commissioner change. Randy Atkins stepping down. He had been in the job for two years. Uh, And Lisa Hart, a longtime RCBL uh, figure and former president of the New Market Shockers, or I guess has has served as the president of the New Market Shockers. Right, right. Mm -hmm. In 2004, grew up and, and around and in the RCBL she is the new commissioner, first woman commissioner in RCBL history. And, and David, for a league that has such a rich history and tradition, this is this is an important hire and, and a noteworthy hire uh, for sure. Yeah, um, I think it is. And, you know, to start off, it's, it's not a hire that is made just because she's a woman and what all is happening in, in pro baseball. Um, she's actually been approached about the position in the past, maybe even three or four years ago. So, like you said, she's been around the league for a long time. Um, her grandfather started a new market team in the league back in the 1960s. She grew up at the field with him. Really neat story. Um, she played basketball at, uh, at Stonewall Jackson, and she now lives in Timberville. Really interesting story. She said that her grandfather, um, you know, grew up, she grew up playing baseball with her grandfather. And when she got to high school, she didn't, she couldn't, she didn't play softball because the ball was so big. She just wasn't used to such a big ball. She just grew up on baseball. She's a baseball lifer. Um, I think, you know, the county league wants some stability. I mean, Randy was only in that position two years. Um, so that, she's been around the league forever. She's not going anywhere. Her daughter is plays softball, is growing up around the game. So, you know, it really makes a lot of sense from the people I've talked to. Yeah, R- Randy took over for, for Mike Bocock. Right. Uh, who was the commissioner before him. Uh, now Lisa Hart is in charge. And, and you mentioned it, David. Uh, it it kind of falls in line with the theme. I know you said, uh, obviously, she wasn't hired just because she is a woman. 
Uh, but it does fall in line with the theme of, of the pro offseason a little bit uh, in, in some of these more important positions, front office, executive type roles, and uh, in, in Kim Ang becoming uh, the first woman general manager. Miami Marlins hired her earlier this offseason. The right. Red Sox hired Bianca Smith, right? Uh, becoming the first African-American woman uh, to be to, to become a coach in the minor leagues. Right. So mm-hmm. this is this is it, it kind of falls in line. I know, I know it's kind of stretching a little bit to to go to the RCBL, the major league baseball, but it all falls in the same in the same category a little bit. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, you know, I haven't seen any charts, but it'd be really interesting to see um, the, the, the chart on the number of women in, in pro or baseball in the last few years in terms of front office and coaches. I mean, the, the, the graph is really going up quickly here, you know, proportionally, obviously. I mean, it's still mm-hmm. dominated by men uh, at the higher levels. But no, I, I, I think it's a, it's a really interesting hire. I talked to Nolan Potts, um, who's been with the Shocker since 2014. And, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what his thoughts would be, but he, he was, you know, raved about Lisa as, as an administrator. She does things behind the scenes. And as you know, for something like the County League, you know, it's like duties as a sign, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're lining the field, you're selling ads in the program, um, you know, everything. So um, she just sounds like a really good fit. She's going to, probably stay with new market that that you know as that role but that could change as well so yeah it's a really interesting hire and it sounds like a really good one yeah i I liked your story because it it and some of the things Potts said uh about you know her talking to the team and and really being around the team so you know if she's around the team that much that she's going to work very very hard and very very diligently uh, to, to make the RCBL a strong league and, and continue to build the tradition uh, that, that it's had for, for years and years and years. Uh, the, the RCBL had a good season this past summer. It was a shortened, it was a shortened season, but they played and they had a lot of Division I players uh, playing something that doesn't happen very often anymore because most Division I players go off to collegiate summer leagues. The collegiate summer leagues, like the Valley League, uh, did not play. Most of them did not play because of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, that's, I think, one challenge she will have to deal with is, uh, is you know, how are the players, how are the rosters going to look? Is it going to be more local players like in the past? Or are the, is the league still going to go after some Division One players mm-hmm. that, that are more local? I think that's one issue she's certainly going to have to tackle. What, what else do you think is kind of important as is, is you start looking ahead to what'll be her first season uh, at the helm of the RCBL and the commissioner role. Yeah, I, I think you hit it probably. And she mentioned that in the Facebook post on the, uh, the county website is just the roster construction. She, she said right away, um, our season could start later than normal um, because the Virginia High School League, um, the Valley League, you know, they, they and in some ways the county league is kind of um, relying on other factors in terms of moving parts. So they have to adapt. They, they did a great job of adapting last year. They, they pushed their start back. They got in a schedule. So she's aware that the roster could, could look different this year. They could, they could start later than quote normal. So, but I think in talking to people, um, I don't think she's going to make a lot of huge changes. I think she's going to keep the, the, the car in the middle of the road and, and go to, and, you know, it's obviously there's a lot of history there. Um, she's got good people around her. Randy's going to stay involved. So I don't see her making, 
a lot of changes. I don't think a lot of changes need to be made. Um, Nolan Potts said she'll follow the bylaws. She, she's strict. She's strict, and she follows the bylaws. So, um, really, don't see a lot of changes that she will have to make, but she'll have to adapt to the schedule. Yeah, that that's for sure. And David, I know you mentioned that the high schools are are going to start a little later, and, and we know what's going on in the BHSL. Uh, with all of its sports kind of being shuffled around, the basketball season happening now, the football season will happen, uh, is scheduled to happen, you know, beginning February, March. Uh, and then the baseball season will happen a little bit after that uh, because of the way uh, the coronavirus impacted how the BHSL is handling things. Uh, but I did want to bring up and transition a little bit just to mention the college baseball season uh, not too far away. I know Bridgewater and Eastern Mennonite University uh, have recently released schedules. Uh, they will play 22 league games uh, as part of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference schedule. I think both both the Royals and the Eagles have a, have a pair of non-conference games as well. Uh, JMU has not released its schedule yet, but I'm here. I, I've heard, you know, it is coming. Uh, it is being put together and. Uh, it should come shortly because they, they start practice later this month. I think their start date for practice is January 29th. Uh, so the college baseball season, and I think you'll see, I don't think you'll see the 50 game, you know, 54 game or whatever it is in the division one, uh, like you normally do. Maybe you see a little bit more condensed schedule in JMU's case. Obviously the ODAC schedule is condensed as, right. as all the sports are dealing with condensed schedules in the ODAC. Uh, but, but good to know that college baseball is on the way and, you know, sooner rather than later uh, you'll, you'll have the players out at veterans Memorial park and up the road uh, at EMU and their nice facility in Bridgewater too. Uh, so, so college baseball worth mentioning too, since, especially at BC and EMU, a lot of those players do end up playing in the RCBL in the summer uh, right. that, that, you know, it's not, not too far away. No, it's not. I, I was looking at the schedules the other day and, and you're right. Um, you know, I think for Bridgewater and EMU, um, it's a good situation that the ODAC has set down protocols for everybody. So, every, you know, everybody has to kind of follow the rules, so to speak, um, which, you know, in some ways makes things easier for if there's such things being easy these days, but um, you know, Bridgewater and EMU can just follow the guidelines the ODAC has set up. Um, you know, there are fewer non-conference games, and, and of course, they're getting to see how bas you know, basketball starts this week in the ODAC, so um, that'll give the athletic directors and personnel a chance to put these protocols in place before the outdoor season. Yeah, and, and you'd hope by then, too, that there's some momentum with the vaccine. I know it's been a little bit slower than, than people would have liked, but you have to hope maybe by baseball season, uh, you know, people are outdoors and the vaccine's doing better. The, the, the rising cases in the aftermath of the holidays uh, begin to fall. Uh, you, you have to hope by then uh, maybe it's a little bit more normal and you don't have to worry about the schedules uh, being, you know, as shaken up as, as the basketball season has been in, in college and sure. college athletics. So mm -hmm. college baseball quietly approaching. Uh, I know there are some former college and high school baseball products, David, working out at a place you did a story on in today's paper uh, with, with a trainer, Mike Martin, uh, who's been training some, you know, former college players, former high school prep stars in the area, uh, it, as they get ready for whatever season they have ahead. Uh, but I, I thought the one that was really interesting is, 
you know, Brennan Hanafee, the, the former TA uh, ace, uh, really good pitcher now in the Orioles farm system training there. So I, I think that's a really neat story that we have to hit on because it, it's kind of where all these players are gearing up, just waiting for whatever comes their way. Yeah, um, our colleague Cody has done a great job of talking to Mike Martin over over the years. And um, it was really interesting talking to Mike because he works with athletes, all sorts of athletes, right? He works with golfers. He works with women basketball players, um, volleyball players. But um, for, And he didn't go into this business necessarily wanting to work with baseball players. But he now has about, oh, 10 to 12 players, baseball players that either have played pro ball or at the Division One level. And that's pretty – pretty interesting another person who's not from our area but tanner morris is from crozet um went to uva he's making the drive over you know or has several times so they're getting guys that even aren't even from the shenandoah valley that are coming you know if they're in town for a couple months so yeah it was really interesting talking to him um like i said he works with brendan hanafy and, and that was the one question i had for him is when you're working with somebody who's a minor league player how do you correlate the, the information they're getting from their strength and conditioning coaches and then what you're doing. And so there has to be some synergy there. And, um, and, and that's the case. I mean, obviously what the Orioles tell Brendan Hanafy to do in the off season, he listens to Mike is sort of a, a compliment. It's a place to work out, maybe see other players and, and work with them. So it's, it's really interesting that, that baseball has become a big part of what they do there. Yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. And, and one more local angle, uh, that, that ties into baseball at, at all levels. I, I want to spend a few minutes on Hanafi, uh, David. At one point, you know, ranked in the Orioles farm system as a pro, as, as one of their top 30 prospects a couple of years ago. Where Where's he at right now? And what's he what's he anticipating for for, for his upcoming year in, in professional baseball? Obviously, no minor league season last year. What's he anticipating is, as far as his future goes, near future goes with the O's? Yeah, it's a really good question, Greg. Um, uh, you know, he said that, again, there was no 2020 season, but he figured out he pitched about 130 innings, at, you know, kind of simulated type situation. And that's and so that's why he didn't go to Florida for instructional league. Um, you know, this is a, it's a cliche, but this is a really big year for him. Um, he's been a, he's been a starter at the high level. You would think that. Double-A Bowie would be the next logical step for him in the farm system. But what's happened in the last year or two is that a number of really good young pitchers have come into the Orioles system um, because of trades. Uh, two trades with the Angels have brought in some young pitchers in the last year or two. So there's a lot of competition in that system right now. Um, and that's a good thing, obviously, for the Orioles. Um, there's only so many spots left, but um, he would love to go um, – you know, I think that the plan is for major league and triple A level players to show up in, in spring training in the middle of February. He certainly would love to, to be one of those people. I think he's actually listed on the Norfolk Tides roster. That's a paper move. Um, but I think it's more logical that he would show up in Florida at Sarasota um, probably the early April um, with double A uh, level players. And, and that could mean the minor league season might start a little bit late. I have not heard that. Um, I'm sure the minor league minor leagues are really hurting financially. I'm sure they want to start the first week of April like they normally do. But yeah, I think for him, I think he would certainly want to, he would want to be at double A, double A at some point this year. 
Yeah, it, it's really fascinating, the whole minor league situation, the major league situation. I think there's uncertainty in general. I know, I, I think I've read this past weekend that the owners are, are telling the players and the teams to, to show up in February on time at the major league level. Uh, there's uncertainty at the minor league level. Obviously, we've talked about it on this podcast, how revamped everything is at the minor league level uh, as far as affiliations and and each major league team only having four affiliates, uh, you know, per team, really. Uh, so it's, it's kind of fascinating and interesting to see the effects of it and, and how it will impact some of our, you know, local players that, that we've covered earlier in their careers uh, as, as they move forward in the pro uh, part of their baseball life. And, and, and I know, Hanafi, you mentioned some of the pitching there, David, in the O system is the, the pitching level has gone up, the talent's gone up. Where, where is Shelton Perkins standing in all this? The former JMU reliever uh, who, who did a really nice job. I know Jimmy Jackson, the pitching coach at JMU, raved about his spin rates and what he could do uh, with the baseball. Uh, how, where, where's he at in the O system at this point? And uh, what, what do you think is next for him? Yeah, I, th- I think they're really high on him. I mean, he was able to close some games at Instructional League in, in October. Um, you know, he, he pitched at Aberdeen, which is short season. Um, 2019, I would think that making the jump to full season um, single A would be logical for him. I think they see him as a back of the end bullpen guy, possibly closer. I think he even had a two inning save in, in instructional league. So I'm talking to a couple, at least one minor league coach. Um, yeah, he's, he's um, I think they really have a bright future for him. The nice thing is a lot of these pitchers they've, they've gotten in trades are starters. And so He's a reliever, so I think that's to advantage for him. So yeah, I think I think he's really got a good future with the Orioles. Yeah, I, I know it's early to start talking about uh, what this season could look like for the O's, but I guess big picture is this just another year in in their rebuild. I know they've traded off some players. Where where do you see the O's are are just in general before we get into what's going on in the National League East and. And the Nat and with the Nationals, uh, what's going on with the O's as far as their timeline for competing? Is this just another year in the long rebuild that everyone was told about? Yeah, I, I think you're right, Greg. Um, you know, their record was almost as good as the Nationals last year, um, a little bit under 500. Um, they've they've traded several veterans and uh, over the off season to get, they're just, they're trying to stockpile as much talent in the, in the farm system as they can. Um, it's not a quick fix. Um, you know, they did sign Tra- Trey Mancini, um, mm-hmm. their one best vet- veteran hitter. And, and that's important. I mean, they could, they could even trade him for prospects if they wanted to, but I think they feel like he, he, he wants to be there. He wants to be part of the rebuild. And there's certainly not a problem having a veteran guy, guy like him in the, in the clubhouse to work with these younger guys. But I think you're right, Greg, it's, um, you know, they are not going to be a playoff contender, especially if we have 162 games this year. Yeah, no, no, no question about it on, uh, I guess the, the other part of that I-95 rivalry, right. Uh, <laughs> you got the nationals who continue uh, to retool and, and appear as if they want to compete again uh, in, in 2021, uh, not too far removed from their 2019 World Series championship. 2020 weird year, 60 game season. I think you could throw it out of the throw it out the window with the way the Nationals went about it, just because they they probably felt 
some cushion from the 2019 championship. Uh, but they are retooling, reloading, reportedly have signed John Lester, uh, the, the former Chicago Cubs pitcher. And I think, David, uh, as you kind of look at their moves, uh, signing Kyle Schwarber earlier this offseason, I think that was earlier this month, uh, traded for Josh Bell. Uh, that was last month. You, you look at some of the things that they've done to retool, and you have to be saying to yourself, okay, this Nationals team, they're trying to get better, and they're trying to compete in that rugged, tough National League East. I think you're right. I think general manager Mike Rizzo is is making the exact kind of moves that um, he might be limited a little bit by ownership. And let's face it, most major league teams are, are going um, slowly here these days. You're not going to see a lot of five-year contracts to free agents. Um, I don't see the, you know, the Nationals signed Josh Bell to a two-year deal. I think Schwarber was one year and Lester is one year. I don't think you're going to see the Nationals make a big splash this winter with like a, you know, a JT Romito, um, a Springer. Uh, I think Rizzo is doing exactly what he needs to do considering the hand he's been given. Yeah, and, and it's interesting too because you look at Lester, you slot him behind Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, uh, and you put Lester as a four, that's that's a pretty good number four. I know Lester's been around and he's older, but he's pitched in the postseason. He knows how to win those type of games. Uh, to me, that's, that's a nice depth move for, for a starting rotation that before that move you were looking at and saying they probably need another arm or two uh, to get ready. And then you look at the lineup. I, I don't know how you feel, but adding Schwarber and Bell, all you do is is add some more protection for Soto and Turner. Yeah, no, it, it's shaping up to be a good lineup. Um, I, I still, I, 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 they need another catcher. I mean, Jan Gomes, um, he's just not going to give you a whole lot offensively, and he's getting older, so that's going to be interesting to see what they do there. The, the word is they're going to use Gomes as their regular catcher and find a backup. Um, you know, second base and third base, you know, Star, you have Starling Castro. Um, he can play second. Um, if, you, if you have him there, then you're relying on Carter Keyboom. Um, I heard from scouts that the Nats are shopping, shopping Carter Keyboom. Okay. So you could, I think you could put Castro over at third base, but you still need a second baseman. So um, um, they, you know, they have some, some, some depth there as well. But yeah, I, I think the Nats are doing what they should be doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get it. And they're, they're competing with a division that, that's, that's not letting up. Uh, the, Braves, the Braves are pretty good. They, they've won the division past couple of years. And then you've got the Mets, uh, Steve Cohen, the new owner, uh, not afraid to make the big move. They landed their big move, uh, acquiring Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco from the Cleveland Indians earlier this month in a trade. They've also signed James McCann uh, and Trevor May, a catcher and a reliever, uh, to kind of complement that. And, uh, I, you know, from all accounts, the reporters in New York say that they may not be done. Uh, so you've got three teams going for it. The Phillies signed a reliever, a good reliever, and Archie Bradley. Mm -hmm. uh, the Marlins did make the postseason last year. Let's let's not forget, right, yeah. David? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they made the postseason. Uh, I guess at this point in the winter, how how do you stack up those five teams when you look at it? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it may not be the the best division, but it, it might be one of the most competitive. Um, they might beat each other up. Um, yeah, I think the Braves. I mean, I think the Braves, I don't want to say head and shoulders above everybody else, but until proven otherwise, I, you know, they have such many, so many good young 
everyday players and enough pitching to get by. So I, you know, I think they're the team to beat. Um, you know, and, and we've talked about this before. The Nationals are really relying on their starting pitching. And again, Scherzer and Strasburg are getting up there in age, and you don't know, you know, how many starts they're going to be able to make. Um, but yeah, I think I think the Lester signing was really good because um, you look at the other guys that are going to vie for that fifth spot for the Nats. Mm-hmm. You got Austin Voth, Eric Fetty, and Joe Ross. I mean, I think the Nats are really hoping Joe Ross can step up and be the number five guy. I mean, he had he had a good World Series outing. Um, I think we've seen enough of Fetty and both that we kind of know who they are. Yeah, um, they've had flashes of, of I wouldn't say brilliance, but competence. Um, so I don't think they can rely on them to be a great fifth starter. I think they really want Joe Ross to seize that job. That should be something uh, to watch once they arrive in spring training. Uh, one thing I did want to bring up Mets wise, and I'm, I'm not just doing this because I'm a Mets homer, uh, but uh, it does. There is a JMU tie there, David. It, I know you reached out to Lorenzo Bundy, former James Madison player. He was supposed to be a Double A Binghamton as the, the Rumble Ponies manager this past year in 2020. Obviously, minor league season wiped out. What is next for him in in your from from your from your conversation with him? What did you take away for, from him as as he awaits what what's next? Yeah. Um... Well, Greg, you, you know this as, as a Mets fan, um, and I didn't mention this in the story, but um, Syracuse is locked in at AAA for the Mets, mm-hmm. and Binghamton is still in their system. And then, as, as Lorenzo pointed out, Brooklyn is, is one of the Mets affiliates mm-hmm. and Port St. Lucie down in Florida. So those are their four, um, but we don't know right now exactly what leagues they are. We can kind of guess. He doesn't know how they're going to use him this year. He's hoping he'll be a manager, so there's only four – there's only really four spots, right, in terms of full right. season. He has not heard. Um, that was a week ago. I think you could feel a little, um, you know, I think not just Bundy, but others in pro baseball. There's, there's, you know, there's a lot of unknowns out there. And, I mean, here it is in a normal year. You know, you're a month away from heading to spring training. And if you have a family or children and you don't know where you're going to be for the summer, I mean, um, his situation is not like that. But so much but yeah I think people want to know where he's going to be he's hoping he's going to be a full season manager it's there's no guarantee he would be in Binghamton um you know it could be Brooklyn could be St. Lucie down in Florida so I think for most of these people they just want to know where you know where they're going to be for the summer yeah I, I totally understand that I'm sure I'm sure it's frustrating at this point and really to no one's fault uh you know what what why there's uncertainty it's, it's all you know virus related and teams taking their time to make decisions waiting on the league to make uh both you know major league baseball which essentially runs minor league baseball now right uh, waiting on all those decision makers to, to come to those final determinations so uh hopefully when we do this podcast again next month david uh you know we we have uh we we have a better idea of what's going to happen. And, and, and just so our listeners know, uh, we're going to continue to do this regularly. We're going to incorporate some guests as we get closer to the start of the season and into the season uh, to, to give you guys another voice and hear what's going on, whether it's at Bridgewater or JMU and the RCBL or uh, somebody who used to be local uh, in pro ball. We'll, we'll try to incorporate some more, some guests. Uh, so to give you a feel of what's going on, uh, around around the game as far as its local ties to, to Harrisonburg, Rockingham County, and 
uh, the Shenandoah Valley. Uh, but for now, David, unless you have anything else you want to touch on, I think we've kind of touched it all that we can uh, at this point in January. Yeah, thanks, Greg. I think we did. Um, I appreciate you uh, getting together with you and chatting. I see that Mets banner in the background. And uh, by the way, Mike Martin, who we talked about, um, who runs the uh, Sports Performance Center, he grew up a Mets fan. I don't know if you read that, but his parents took him to, to Shea back in 1986. Um for a regular season game. He said Tim Tuffle had a walk-off hit. Do you remember Tim? That was before your time, probably. Yeah, um, but before my time. I I, yeah. I mean, I born in 92. I have not seen the Mets win a World Series yet, David. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm waiting, you know. I, okay. I, I went, you know, they went in 2000. I went to the Subway <laughs> Series and saw the Yankees clinch at Shea Stadium, saw the Yankees win it in, in the in 2000 World Series. Went in 2015 only to see Lucas Duda throw the ball uh, wild as Eric Cosmer crossed the plate. Uh, so there's that. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not bitter or anything. I'm optimistic <laughs> about this year. Uh, well, I tell you, you know, these days to be in New York covering the Mets, you you know you have a source. It's it's the owner, right? <laughs> he's <laughs> he's putting things on Twitter, but you know. So yeah. So uh, I guess for the media in New York. Um, He's probably fun to have around. Yeah, I, I would assume so. If he's tweeting up a storm and willing to talk to reporters, I'm sure they love it. Uh, it gives him a break from covering the Yankees, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so. So, so there's that. But, David, always good to talk baseball with you. And, and soon enough, the season will be here. Uh, until then, you know, you can keep following along with David's baseball stories. And I'll have some college previews, too, as we get closer to the college season. Uh, you can follow that along dnronline.com. Uh, follow it there and get all your, your local baseball news there too. Uh, so David, ha have a good rest of your day. Always good to talk. And for the listeners, uh, thanks for tuning in.